A week or so ago, uh, William and Kate of the British royal family, they finished their Caribbean tour. They experienced mixed responses from the citizens of Belize and Jamaica and the Bahamas over a number of public relations mistakes and protests against uh, British colonialism and their historical connection to slavery. In fact, some of those nations are thinking about following the example of Barbados, who recently replaced the British Queen as head of state with an elected president. Now, it's up to you to decide whether you think somebody from the UK should or shouldn't have an elevated position in a country on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. That's your own opinion. But today is Palm Sunday. The day that we remember that Jesus entered into Jerusalem as the coming king. Not just as the king of the Jews, but as our king too. He claims to be the rightful king of our lives. And how we respond to that claim makes all the difference in the world. So this Palm Sunday, we're going to think about what it means and consider whether we are willing to welcome Jesus as King. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 21. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1 to verse 11. And Lorna's going to come and she's going to read for us uh, this morning. Thanks, Lorna. Morning. Uh, so it's Matthew 21, verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Thank you very much, Lorna. This day was not an accident. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing in all of this. As Matthew said in verse 4, these events were orchestrated to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah made over 500 years before. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
So Jesus, by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey that day, was making a clear statement about who he really was. He was declaring to Israel that he was their king. Yes, he wasn't coming as the king that they expected. Not on a powerful horse as a warrior coming to defeat the Romans through force and violence. But instead coming on a donkey. Gentle. Righteous. And bringing salvation. But we mustn't miss this reality. Jesus really was coming into Jerusalem claiming to be king. Yes, a gentle king, but he's claiming to be king here. He was claiming to be the rightful heir of David's throne. About a thousand years before this, David chose his son Solomon to be his successor. And to make this clear to everybody, he commanded, Have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon where he was anointed as king. So Jesus is making this clear for everyone to see. He was claiming to be their king. With the right to rule their lives. To lead their nation. To direct their plans. And I think we can see this reality in action in some of the events of that day. Because as they neared Jerusalem... Jesus selected two of his disciples and he gave them orders. First of all, verse 2 in a reading, he told them where to go. He said, go to the village ahead of you. Now this was probably the village of Bethpage. Just across the, the, Mount, the, the Mount of Olives, from the Mouth of, Mount of Olives from Bethany. And these disciples, they went there in obedience to Jesus. Jesus told them where to go and they went. And as king, Jesus has the right to tell us where to go. Matthew, he ends his gospel with these words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Jesus has the right, the authority, to direct where we go in our lives. He doesn't just allow us to stay where we want. He doesn't let us choose to remain in our little holy huddles, protected from the struggles and the the suffering of this world. Even although we are not to be like the people in this world, he commands us to go out into this world. Now Jesus has specific ways in which each one of us are called to obey this command. It might mean for us that we go into our neighbourhoods, into communities, or that we go into our schools, or our colleges, or we go into our workplaces. Going to our families, to cross the room, <coughs> excuse me, to cross the street, or maybe even to cross the oceans. But for each of us to accept Jesus as King, 
means we accept that he has the right to call us, to come, to go out into this messed up world. To, to come close to where people are. To step into the darkness of people's lives. To walk alongside them in their pain. Welcoming Jesus as King means accepting that he has got the right to tell us where to go. It also means that we accept his right to tell us what to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus told these two disciples that when they got to the village, at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her and tie them and bring them to me. Now that was a pretty unusual thing to do. People don't normally just go into a village and take what doesn't belong to them. Well, as long as they don't want to get into trouble, that is. And these disciples, they didn't fully understand what they were doing. This is what John says about this. John chapter 12. He says this. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. And that they had done these things to him. The disciples didn't understand this. They didn't realise, these two disciples, didn't realise that they were taking part in a crucial uh, role in helping to reveal the true identity of Jesus to this world. They thought they were just being told to go and take somebody else's donkey. But this is what Jesus commanded them to do. And Jesus was their king. So that's what they did. Get, get to that point in a minute. Okay. <laughs> and as king, Jesus has the right to tell us what to do, doesn't he? This is what he said in Matthew chapter 28 again. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, Jesus taught us to do many other things in our lives. But this is our ultimate mission in life. This is his big plan for each and every one of us. His calling is for us all to be involved in making disciples. In pointing people to Jesus. In showing them how amazing he is and what he can do in their lives. Trying to help them to answer the objections that they have to faith. Helping them on that journey to come to that place of trusting in Christ. Supporting them as they make that, take that step of commitment in baptism. Walk alongside them as they grow in their relationship with Christ. And encourage them to serve wholeheartedly for Christ. Sometimes, sometimes what we are doing in our lives doesn't feel like that. Sometimes like these two disciples just going and getting a donkey, we may not understand how our actions fit into God's big plan to build his church. But welcoming Jesus as king means that we accept his right to tell us what to do even if we don't understand it. 
Thirdly, it means that we accept his right to tell, to, to say, and to tell us what to say. That we accept his right to tell us what to say. If people objected to them taking this animal, Jesus told the disciples, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And as king, Jesus has the right to tell us what to say. He said, go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are not to go into this world to share our ideas, or our thoughts, or our interpretations. Instead, our job is to go and to tell people what Jesus said. To share his teaching, his words, his truth. Now, of course, that will put us in direct opposition to some people in this world. Because the message of Jesus to many is unacceptable. They will reject us as saying something that's old-fashioned or out of date or intolerant or narrow-minded or even offensive. But this is what it means to accept Jesus as our King. It means that He alone has the right to tell us where to go and what to do and what to say. Even if other people reject it. Now that's challenging for most of us. This goes against the grain for us. Deep down, all of us want to be in charge. We want to do, we want to go where we want. Do what we like. Say what fits our ideas. So this is a challenge for us to submit to Jesus as King. But it's also really good news. Because when we are king of our lives, we always mess up. This is what Isaiah said, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. When we are in charge of our lives, we go to the wrong places, we do the wrong things, we say the wrong words. And the result is just a mess in our lives and in our world. But Jesus offers us a better way. Because if we accept Jesus as the leader of our lives, then he promises to lead us into life to the full. As the good shepherd, Jesus said this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. In coming to lay down his life for us, Jesus came to pay for our rebellion, to rescue us from ourselves, and to bring us into his kingdom. 
So when we are in charge of our lives, we always mess up. But when Jesus is in charge of our lives, then he leads us into life to the full. But welcoming Jesus as king doesn't only mean that we accept that he's king of our plans. It also means that he's king of our possessions. In a sense, that donkey and her colt didn't belong to Jesus. And yet, their owner allowed them to be taken simply because he was told that the Lord needs them. The background for this is what's called the Angaria, in which a person of significance, like a Roman, gov- a Roman official or, or a member of the government or a general, he could take possession of somebody else's property and use it for official business. So in doing so, Jesus was claiming to have that authority. That authority over somebody else's possessions. And this owner, even though we don't know what his name was, this owner agreed. He willingly allowed Jesus' disciples to take his animals. And when they returned, the disciples in a sense did something very similar. Look at verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. By doing that, the disciples were using their possessions to honour Jesus. They recognised that Jesus was someone greater than they were. And so they were willing to let Jesus use them as a seat on the animal. And then others did something very similar. Verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. They were basically putting out the red carpet for Jesus. Using whatever they had to hand to honour Jesus as someone special. Someone worthy of respect. And if we are willing to accept Jesus as the king of our lives, then he has the same right to everything that we own. He has the right to use our possessions to accomplish his purposes. And he is the right, uh, we have the responsibility to use our possessions to honour him. This is what Paul told us in Romans chapter 12. He told us to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act. Of worship. Jesus doesn't deserve just one day a week. He doesn't deserve just a, a tithe, a tenth of our income. He doesn't deserve just a percentage of our lives. Jesus deserves everything. Everything that we are. Everything that we have. Everything that we own. Now that doesn't mean that we should just give it all away and have nothing left. It doesn't mean we should all just sell our houses and go and live in the street. But it does mean that we need to be willing 
to use whatever we have for God's kingdom and for his glory. That might involve using our home to offer hospitality and compassion to those who are in need. Or to give of our finances to support his mission in this world. Or use our car to transport people to church. Or to sacrifice our time to share the gospel with those who have never heard about Jesus before. Or spending our energy to serve in his kingdom. And a whole host of other ways. As as the king, Jesus doesn't ask us to do something extraordinary for him. He just asks us to give everything that we have to him. And again, this is challenging. This is costly. It doesn't matter what we have or how little we have or how much we have. We, we, hold on, we want to hold on to that really tightly. It's mine. I want it. And I want to keep it. But although this is challenging, this is costly to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus, this is also wonderful. Think about it. This guy from Bethpage. He just gave up his, his donkey and her colt for a day. He got them back. It was just a borrowing. But in doing this, he had the privilege of providing transport for the King of Kings. These disciples, they just gave up their cloaks for a little while. But in doing so, they honoured their Lord and Master. And when we are, let, we are willing to let Jesus use our everyday, ordinary abilities and possessions, then he is able to do something extraordinary with them. He raises those things up, those common everyday things up, and he uses them at a different level. Ultimately, what we give becomes what Paul calls a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice. Pleasing to God. This is how we worship the King of Kings. But this is also for our good. Because when we give to Jesus, we never lose out. After calling us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily and follow him, Jesus said this, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. If we hold on to everything that we have just for ourselves, then in the end we'll always lose out. But when we lay down everything at the feet of Jesus as, as our King, then we find life in all its fullness. This was Jesus' amazing promise to his disciples, men who, who literally did leave everything behind for Jesus. He said this in Matthew chapter 19 Everyone who has left houses or brothers 
or sisters, or, or mothers, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. When we give anything to Jesus, we never lose out. He gives again and again and again. So welcoming Jesus as King is about trusting Him that whatever it costs pales into insignificance compared to all that He has come to give us. And if that's the case, then welcoming Jesus as King is not something that we should do reluctantly or out of obligation or just because we're forced to. Instead, it's something we should do with joy, with celebration, with praise. In fact, welcoming Jesus as King means that He has the right to receive all the praise. Look at verse 9 in our reading. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This was a celebration that the rightful king had come. He was the fulfillment of all of the waiting and hoping for the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one of God. The son of David who will fulfill that prophecy given to David that we read a few weeks ago, if you remember, from 2 Samuel chapter 7, where, where Nathan told David that God says that he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now David's son Solomon, he had partially fulfilled this prophecy when he built that magnificent temple, Solomon's amazing temple. But Solomon's reign ended. Solomon's glory faded. Solomon's temple was destroyed. But here was somebody coming who was greater than Solomon. He was coming to Jerusalem as the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy. To build not a magnificent temple of stone and brick and gold, but to build a spiritual temple, a spiritual house with living stones. That's us. A community of God's people living under His reign and His rule, that's going to last forever. So it's right that we should celebrate Jesus as the coming King. But He wasn't just worthy of honour as King. He's also worthy of praise because although they didn't realise at the time, the one who was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was no one else but their God. This is what Jesus said on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was the time of God's coming to you. 
He's not just the son of David. He's also the son of God. And his coming is the best news ever. Because of what he came to do. On Palm Sunday, the crowd shouted, Hosanna. It's the word most associated with this day. This word comes from Psalm 118, verse 25. O Lord, save us. In Hebrew, Hoshiana. So you can understand where they get Hosanna from. They just took it straight from the Hebrew. It was a cry to God for help. Lord, help us. But over the years, this word, it changed in its meaning. Because in the psalm, Psalm 118, it was followed by, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. O Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As if God answered that prayer, that call for help, even before it came out of the psalmist's lips. So this phrase, Hoshiana, Hosanna, stop being a cry for help. And instead became a shout of hope and praise that salvation had come. And that was so appropriate for Palm Sunday, wasn't it? Because as Jesus came, he came as king, yes, but not to Jerusalem to sit on a throne. But he came to Jerusalem to sacrifice his life on a cross. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so today, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, then he is our Savior. He has rescued us from sin. And he's brought us the forgiveness and the grace that we desperately needed. So we have the privilege of worshipping Him as our God and going and serving Him as our King. So folks, it's okay for those Caribbean nations to decide for themselves if they want a certain individual to be their queen or their king. That's their choice. And in the end, it really won't make that much of a difference. But it's absolutely crucial that we don't miss out on this opportunity to welcome Jesus as our King. So today, let's allow Him to direct our plans. Because we can only experience that life to the full when He is in charge. Let's allow Him to use our possessions because we'll never give out We will never lose out whatever we give to Jesus. And let's give him our praise. Because he is our God. And our Saviour. And our King.